You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. Good morning, everybody. So good to see all of you. I hope you saw me in there. I was in there for one fiftieth of a second. All right. Famous. (laughs) Famous. Um, this actually is one of those years, uh, Terry and I have been here almost 17 years, uh, Jan would remember, she was here the very first day we were here, uh, and so, uh, we probably about four times we've said, you know, this is one of those years where we encourage, uh, people from Westside to make it to one of the equips, and so, that's down in Southern California this year, so it's easier to get to than Kansas City or Chicago or Denver, where it's been in the last few years, so... The churches that we're connected to and, and uh, partnering with around the world uh, have uh, leadership-type conferences in every uh, nation that we're in. Uh, we're working, actually, uh, into over 100 nations now uh, around the world and partnering. So Westside's not just here by itself. We're, we're a local church that's led by its eldership, which I'm going to talk about in just a moment, but uh, we are connected to and partnering with churches around the world so that we can help fulfill the Great Commission of... Uh, uh, making disciples of all nations uh, by loving people, uh, loving our neighbors as ourselves. Uh, but we start in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. So I would encourage you to find out about that. Go on the website. And this would be one of those years uh, where we're hoping to get a whole a big crew. The last time we did this with a big crew of people was in Denver. We had 80 people from uh, Westside go there. I think we can get way more than that in Southern California this year. Um, Guys, it's going to be uh, tailed, uh, tacked on to the men's equip uh, coming up in June, and so it's going to be a big week for us. So just make plans for that and, and uh, put that in your calendars. It'll be a great time. Also, Rise Up will uh, happen immediately after the equip. The equip gets over at Friday at noon. Rise Up starts Friday at noon, and so it's going to go straight through. So our young people are going to have a, a great uh, encounter with Jesus this coming summer. Um, I just want to say how much we love you guys. Terry and I uh, are so grateful for the uh, family that God has put us in uh, here at Westside. By the way, if you're newer to Westside today, uh, this is your first time or first or second or third time, uh, just a very warm welcome. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you guys. And... uh, it's always a little bit scary going to a new church and uh, checking things out. And, you know, if you don't like it, how do you get up and walk out? You know, so uh, it's just like, it's tough. And uh, that's why junior hires, you know, they like, especially the girls, they walk together in three. They're just huddled together like this wherever they go. And they move here, 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 here together. And uh, it's tough. And so thanks for being here. Uh, today's a little bit different day. Today is a family day. So if you are newer to West Side. Uh, thank you for being here, and you're welcome to peek in on some family business that we're going to uh, take care of and talk about today. Uh, by the way, uh, Westside 101, which is our membership class here at Westside, we started last Sunday and it finishes this afternoon. If you wanted to get to this class and you were not able to make it last week, you can still come in, uh, go to the, we- uh, to the Welcome Center afterwards and sign up. Make sure uh, if you need child care that they know about that, but if you really, really want to get in, uh, I'll find some ways that you can make up last week. 
and uh, got a couple of buildings need to be painted around here and, you know, things like that. We can figure something out for you to do. Uh, but no, seriously, if you want to come, uh, please, and you want to check out Westside a, a little bit more intently and deeply, uh, please, uh, you're welcome to come this afternoon. So uh, I want to talk about our church government for uh, just a few minutes. Uh, it's, it's our value here at Westside to follow the Bible. We believe the Bible, all of it. Uh, we try not to, as much as humanly possible, to add anything to it or take anything away from it. Sometimes people take out the parts they don't like. You know, if you're Thomas Jefferson, there's this thing called the Thomas Jefferson Bible where he cut out all the parts he didn't like and he just kept the parts that he did like. So seriously, he did that. And so uh, he had trouble with some parts. And a lot of people, you know, there's things that we don't fully understand because God is infinite and we are finite. God is eternal and we are temporal. So we don't understand all these things. Uh, The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us into all truth. But what we see in the New Testament is this. You had a, a motley crew of disciples and Jesus said, go tell everybody. And then Jesus goes up to heaven, and they're kind of like standing around. And the angel says, come on, get going. Jesus told you. And so they didn't really know how to do this. So they started gathering together. And they started preaching the word of God. When the Holy Spirit came upon Peter as an uneducated fisherman, he started preaching. And his first sermon, 3,000 people got saved. That's pretty good. I am waiting for that day to happen here. I don't know if you are. It's going to be hard. We'd have to have about 27 services uh, to do it, but I'm willing to do it. I'm more than happy to do it uh, if people come to Jesus. And uh, so they went out and they gathered believers in every town in Jerusalem and in Smyrna and in Philippi, and in Ephesus, and in Rome, and in Thyatira. Say that one. Where are you from? Thyatira. Or what are you? A Thyatiran. And uh, the, everywhere there was a church. It was a collection of believers who were sold out, yeah. all in uh, for Jesus. And so that's what we see in the Bible. We see only two expressions of the church. One is the church universal. That's all believers from all time. They're the body of Christ. They are the church, uh, when the Bible talks about the church. Then we see, in the Bible, local churches. That's collections or groups of believers that come together for the purpose of worship, for the purpose of uh, discipling, for the purpose of encouraging and strengthening. Uh, Whatever a family does, that's what the local church does. That's a place where people are born into and they grow into and they're, they're released from and these kind of things. And so uh, we see in the New Testament that every single church was led by a group of elders, plural. You never see elder unless it's somebody talking about themselves, like Peter says to the elders among you as a fellow elder. Uh, I... I'm sending this message to you, but you always see a group of elders, a team of elders leading the local church. So the elders are responsible for government in in the local church. Uh, We don't have a board per se because we don't see that in the Bible. We have a board officially for the state purposes. Remember Jesus said, give to Caesar uh, what's due to Caesar and give to God what's due to God. So our elders are our board 
you know. But our elders are also friends. And our elders are uh, those who have the call of God on their life uh, to serve God and to uh, faithfully love and care for and shepherd uh, the people in the, in the church. Now, most people don't want to be elders, and most people aren't called to be elders. Elders are not any, special, any more special than anybody else, seriously. And if God hasn't called you to eldership, you don't want to be on eldership. If God has called you to business, or if he's called you to education, or if he's called you to the arts, or he's called you to politics, or he's called you uh, to any number of things, then the most holy place you can be is where God has called you. We don't ever, ever want to give the opinion that elders are more holy, or elders are better, or on a higher echelon uh, than the people of the church. Some churches have a, have a diagram. It's like a triangle where the pastor, senior pastor's up on the top. He's the king of the mountain. Did you ever play that when you were a kid? I usually won. So <laughs> king of the mountain, king of the mountain. And then the whole church body is on the, you know, they're supporting this thing. And then some churches uh, uh, have their leadership style like this where the poor pastor's on the bottom and the people are in charge up here and the pastor's, you know, the leadership is trying to hold everything together. We don't see either one of those as biblical. We see a, a triangle like this on its side and we're moving forward. Yeah. Just like Paul said, come follow me as I follow Christ. None of us is at the head of the line, you know, and none of us is at the back of the line. We're all following uh, people that have gone before us as they're following Christ and we say to those behind us, come follow me as I follow Christ. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. To me, that's a real healthy way of doing church, and that is what we see in the Bible. And so uh, we will always proclaim that. Now, I just want to specifically define what eldership is. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, go to First Peter chapter 5. If you don't, we'll, we'll put it up on the screen. First Peter chapter 5. If you're in Westside 101, how many are in Westside 101 here this morning? All right. This is part of your class because now I won't have to teach that this afternoon at Westside 101, all right? So you might get out early tonight. So that's, there's always good surprises. Um, all right. Okay, Paul says this. Uh, I'm reading out of the ESV. I don't know what we have up here. Maybe the New Living Translation. Oh, ESV. There we go. All right, um, Peter, not Paul, sorry. Peter says this, So I exhort the elders, there it is, plural, among you. Now that word elders, if you have a Bible, I would just underline that, and that Greek word for elders is presbyteros. That simply means the mature ones. Uh, if you're speaking about age, you're talking about your elders, like uh, the Bible says, you know, honor your elders and those kind of things. There's, they're not only talking about the elders in the life of the church, but your, you know, your parents and grandparents honor the aged among you, that kind of thing. That could be used in the family context or the church context. Right here, presbyteros is used in the church context. And it's not so much talking age as it is maturity to the mature ones among you. As a fellow elder or as a fellow presbyteros, so here's Peter, the apostle, uh, who's pretty much uh, leading the church in Jerusalem and uh, along with James. Uh, and so they're, they're uh, leading this church there. They had become sort of the eldership over the church in Jerusalem. And he's appealing and writing a letter 
or, or talking here to elders around, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, a glory that is going to be revealed, that's our future salvation, our glorification. Our justification is when we got saved, Jesus forgave our sins, declared us righteous. Our sanctification uh, is that we are being saved. We're being conformed and transformed into the image of Christ. We were saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. Our glorification ultimately. So that's a little bit of theology right there. Uh, That wasn't deep, that was just a survey. All right? So he says, verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. That word shepherd uh, is the Greek word poimen, and it means to shepherd. (laughs) That's what it means. So a lot of times you'll hear the word pastor is a shepherd. All right? So pastor and shepherd. Shepherd is, or poimen is the Greek, and pastor, we got it from from that uh, through uh, Latin and things like that. Shepherd the flock of God. Now, that's not driving the sheep from behind. It's like a Middle Eastern shepherd that, that beckons the sheep, the shepherd that knows their sheep by name, the shepherd that lays his body across the entrance to the cave to protect the sheep from wolves and lions, that kind of shepherd. If you live in Australia you're, and you're a shepherd, you take the muffler off your dirt bike and you drive the sheep in front of you. You scare the dickens out of them and drive them in front of you. That's not this kind of shepherd. This is a, uh, a loving shepherd. Back in the Old Testament it says, shepherds that gently lead those that are with young. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Come on, Fluffy and little Fluffy Jr. Come on, let's go. We can do it. We can get through these uh, thorns and we can get over to good water and good grass. Come on, we can do it. That's the shepherd that this word poimen is talking about. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. That word oversight is our third Greek word this morning, and that's episkopos. That's where we get the word episcopalian. Presbyteros is where we get the word presbyterian. And so uh, we have these three words, uh, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And so that is a little picture of what elders do and who they are. This is the only place in the New Testament other than Acts chapter 20 where those three words appear together describing the function of eldership. So a little recap here. Who are they? The mature ones. What do they do? They exercise oversight over the whole household and its affairs. How do they do it? With a shepherd's heart. All right? That's the job description of elders right here in 1 Peter chapter 5. By the way, mom and dad, that's your job description too. Who are you as the leadership team of the home? This is the ideal. Sometimes we're over in the real and we're working toward the ideal, but this is the ideal. Who are you? The mature ones. The mature ones, all right? Mom and dad in the home. You're the mature ones. What do you do? Exercise oversight over the whole household and its affairs. And how do you do it? With the shepherd's heart. It's not a beautiful picture uh, with the family as a microcosm of the church. And so 
uh, we see in Scripture here the function of eldership is very clear. And so that's the government. So elders oversee uh, the direction of the church, where we're headed, uh, the vision of the church. That's what that is. The elders uh, guard, guard the flock of God. There's all kinds of things the elders do. But the main three things are, are direction and doctrine, the things that we teach, uh, what we believe in, the things that we major on and the things that we minor on. All right, we major on the infallibility of the God, of God's word. We major on Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We major on you can only come to God through faith in what Jesus did and declare Him uh, uh, as Lord if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. We minor on things like should we have purple chairs or blue chairs? All right, so we don't want to fight over those things. We also minor on things that have caused divisions in the church over the years. I've told you a, a bunch of times that my dad and Terry's dad were best friends. They were both pastors. And growing up, my dad believed that Jesus was coming back at the end of the seven-year tribulation. Terry's dad believed that Jesus was coming back bef- at, at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. And they were best friends, and they argued about it. I still remember clearly us leaving, and my dad said, uh, uh, Bye, Dana. Um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see you and we're, and we're on to heaven after you know be ready for these tough times coming you know this tribulation coming and then Terry's dad would say see you later Stanley Jesus could come back any moment and, and like this and they would just banter back and forth like this why on earth would we divide a church over that alright this church we're pan uh, pan tribulationless it's all going to pan out alright and so <laughs> I think, I think that you could have uh, sincerely uh, held beliefs. And you, you actually, I've, I've, you know, I've heard over and over and over godly men proving one side or the other. But a lot of times we see things from one side and we don't take a look from the other side. And uh, the older we get, uh, we realize that actually there's more than one right way. So those kind of things we can enjoy, we can study those things, but we're not going to fight over these things. But we will not ever give up that this is the Word of God. We will not ever give up that we are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. We're not giving up the mandates of scripture. And so um, back to eldership, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a heavy call to be an elder. And the best way I could describe it to you, I described this to somebody the other day and they go, oh, I get it. And... Uh, Remember when you were uh, first married, those of you who were married, if you weren't and and you're younger, uh, don't think too hard, but just kind of like think about it, all right? Uh, You're first married, you're in love, you're together, you're a couple, uh, working together, and all of a sudden you find out that you're pregnant and there's this third person coming along. So the day before that baby is born, your family is, is, is this way. The day after the child, the baby is born, you're this way. There's like this, maybe not, I don't, I'm not, I've never been a mother, so I don't know how mothers think, but uh, fathers definitely think, I carry the weight of responsibility for this human being. And I've got to answer to God with how we raise this child. Yeah. All right? So there is, there was no weight over here, 
maybe you started to think about it, but you really, it really hits you when you're holding this baby in your arms. To hear you have this weight. Well, when you're an elder of the church, when you're a true elder in this church, and it's not just a, a, a position or a title, but it's a calling of Almighty God. When you're an elder, you actually carry the weight and the responsibility of people's lives. And there's scripture to back that up. Do you know what the scripture is? Elders have to give an account for the people. We have to stand before God, and, say, and he's going to say, what would you do with those precious sheep I put under your care as the chief shepherd? You're an under-shepherd. What did you do? And uh, people don't have to answer for the eldership, but the elders have to answer for the sheep. Does that make sense? There's a weight there. And so if you're a true elder, you're going to lay awake at night sometimes, and you're going to be praying for the people in the church, and you're going to take on this responsibility. Um, the Bible never says that an elder will stay an elder till the day he dies. The Bible says that the gifts that God gives you are without repentance. God won't take those gifts. You'll still be you. You'll still be who you are and have the ministry in you. Uh, but the Bible never says you have to do this. And some churches have gone so far as to say, okay, you're an elder for two years and then you're out. And then we're going to bring some other people in. And having nothing to do with the call of God on this person's life. So when our elders uh, are are made elders, number one, I don't make elders because in in the New Testament you never see an elder setting in another elder. You only see the guys that have apostolic ministry setting in elders. So we have partnership with the team and they'll come in and they'll set uh, uh, people in eldership. And I'll do that. I've gone to other churches as with my apostolic hat on uh, on this team. Terry and I are on this team that we're partnering with. And so we go into churches and we'll set in elders, ordain elders, uh, but I won't do it here. We'll call in somebody else. And so um, they might be on eldership for five years or 10 years or 20 years or 50 years or three years, whatever it is. Patrick McNamara, he was on eldership here for two and a half years, two and three quarters years. He was an elder in this church, full authority. And there's no such thing as junior elders. You know, once you're on eldership and you're ordained in eldership, you're a full-functioning elder. And so um, we've had other elders here. Dave Freeman was an elder here, and he moved to Denver to help plant a church there, uh, and, and so on. So uh, I want to I just share this with you uh, as... as your pastor, and as uh, family. So uh, for some time, I've been feeling a change of seasons coming uh, for Westside Church. And I've spoken to the elders and the deacons about it directly and to the church indirectly. And uh, this is a good change. It's a God, God thing, a God change. And so I said at the beginning of 2016 that I see a significant shift in leadership this year coming. Just prophetically, I just was feeling that in God. And so uh, last April, we had an elder and deacon retreat, and we spent time over the weekend talking about the responsibility of leadership and, and the importance of leadership, godly leadership, and that we'd never, ever, ever uh, injure or harm the sheep. And we talked about the weight of leadership and, and the the call of God that is necessary for leadership. Because if you're out of position, it's going to kill you. You know, if you ask me to go be uh, on a college uh, physics uh, 
department staff and teach physics, I w- it would kill me because that's not what I'm called to do. Um, and so, and vice versa, God has a calling for each one of us, and some are called to leadership in the, in the local church. And so, uh, we talked about that leadership isn't necessarily forever. It doesn't mean that you can only uh, step out of leadership if you leave the church. Oh, that makes it easy. I'm going to move to Iowa, and then I can step out of leadership. Uh, we don't actually want that because one of our strong uh, values here at Westside Church is that we are friends before function. And we're friends during function, and we're friends after function. Do we really believe that? And do we really live that? And so um, it could be a season, or it could be a chapter, or it could be a, a lap around the track, you know? Uh, watching the Olympics this summer and the relay races, and um, I, I just you know, saw them going around. I saw, what if one guy comes around, and, and instead of handing off the baton, he goes, no, 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 I'll do another one like this. Are you kidding me? And uh, sometimes we, you know, like someday, like if I'm still in this spot when I'm 98, it's probably too long. And so I'll go, and I'll just go one more lap around, guys, you know, and it's sometimes it's just, it's good to hand over the baton, step back, and be a coach. And so um, in August, uh, my son, my son Brian brought us a, uh, a, a great word from Nehemiah and how Nehemiah was leading the charge to build the wall around Jerusalem, rebuild the wall, and uh, they encountered opposition, and they encountered ridicule, and they encountered, uh, actually, armies were now camped on the north, the south, the east, and the west. They were surrounded by four different armies, and Nehemiah didn't go, you know, guys, it's getting hard. Uh, God's called us to build this wall, uh, but let's just go take a couple weeks off and just rest and recoup our strength. No, Nehemiah doubled down, and he said, no, actually, you're going to move here, and you're going to sleep. On where you're building the wall, that's where you're going to sleep. And you're going to start when the sun comes up, and you're going you're to keep working until the sun goes down. We're not lightening the load. Actually, it's going to get harder. So, say again. God gave them the grace to finish that, and they finished the wall in 52 days. So God gave Terry and I the grace to be on leadership at the church we came from. We were at a church for 22 years, and we were in senior leadership for uh, 18 of those years. And then it started, the grace started to lift. You know, it just, it wasn't as easy anymore. Everything was hard. It didn't seem to work as much. And, and uh, so we felt that a new season was coming. Um, and so I uh, felt that we had to come to this place that it was a time to carefully and humbly assess our individual functions as eldership. We really proposed this. We took this seriously, having to do with our serving God here at Westside and having the awesome responsibility and privilege of leading others in the body uh, while keeping the season ahead in mind. And the season ahead is this. We have a church here uh, where our year-to-date attendance is 414, that's on a, any given weekend, but our culture says that a regular church attenders go to church 1.7 times a month. Regular church attenders. So we think it's more than that here at Westside, but on the average, it's probably two to three times a month. You're a regular attender. And so if our attendance on any particular weekend is 414, we're hovering in the five, 550, pushing 600 range of people that are 
fairly regular at Westside Church. We have a staff in place. We have systems in place for a church of 250. So we're re- reworking systems. We've got to shift around work responsibilities and assignments because uh, we want to stay ahead of the game before it gets unmanageable. So the eldership uh, took this prompting from the Lord very seriously and prayed. And during that prayer time, Terry and I feel that our season is not over here at Westside, and we are ne- have never been and are not more excited than we have been now about what God is doing. And so that's, there's uh, comfort in that. There's uh, strengthening in that that we've heard from the Lord. Yeah, this is run another lap, all right? Your time is not over. Get, get out there. Don't hand that baton off. Run another lap. And when we come around to reevaluate it again, when God brings it up again, we'll reevaluate it again. And so uh, some of our eldership couples during this prayer time and uh, several months of seeking God have felt that it's uh, appropriate for several different reasons, different reasons, uh, to set, step aside uh, from the eldership team. So it's a big deal. And I want to say this very, very strongly as, as the pastor of this church. They're not quitting, and they are not being disciplined, and they haven't failed, and they have not let us down. They've done commendably. They've been faithful, and they've each contributed to this church body in ways that we could never repay them. Uh, They've never served by anything else other than by serving God. That was their motivation. Not for position, not for fame, not for anything like that. Um, So, I'm going to have these guys come up. They're all here. These are my friends. This is not easy. Uh, One of the most difficult things that Terry and I ever did was step off eldership at our other church that we had been on leadership for so long because you love them, because you care for them, but you know the time is over. And so, uh, yeah, to carry the responsibility of church government. So Randy is one of the most pastoral guys I know. He's got a big heart. He's also a voracious reader. He reads twice as many or three times as many books as any of the rest of us read. He's an outstanding marriage counselor. He and Corrine have done awesomely in that area. They're both appreciated. Corrine is a leader in her own right, a teacher in her own right. And and, um, we love them. And we got a microphone here? Yeah. I'm sure you know this is extremely difficult. So Wednesday night I was able to pretty much keep it together, but if I can't today, I printed this out so it make it a little <laughs> bit easier. <laughs> Stepping aside from eldership has been, as Steve mentioned, a very lengthy thought process along with much, much prayer. And much of that prayer was dedicated to me overcoming selfishness. Selfishness because the thought process and the Lord's leading was about Corrine and I moving to Southern California. And why Southern California? It's because most of Corrine's family's down there. The Booth clan, if you know, is huge and growing. Many babies coming around. 
And I felt it was time to bring Kareem down to the next season of our life to be with her family. So I was resistant to moving because I've lived in this county since 75. It's 1975, not 1875. <laughs> That's an inside joke if you're new. Uh, I've been known as the oldest elder, but now I believe that mantle is being passed on to Mark. No, it's me. I went from third to first. <laughs> Mike just couldn't handle being second to being first. So. Anyway, so I've been here about 41 years, and Crean and I, as a married couple, have been here about 32 years. We have three daughters, a son, seven grandkids, and for the last 16 years, our absolutely amazing Westside family. After finally accepting the Lord's leading, there are a few reasons for moving other than the family. Crean's mom is getting up in years, and there are some signs that she'll be needing some help in the not-too-distant future. One of Crean's aunts is going through some serious medical issues and has a 45-year-old Down syndrome son that we, for many years, have been guardians for. And moving, of course, will give Crean the opportunity to be closer to her family. As difficult and painful it will be to move away from our natural family, it will be just as much so with our West Side family. In the meantime, we will continue to love and to serve you. I would ask that you please keep the news of our moving within our West Side family. We would appreciate it so that our respective employers don't know until it's close to the actual moving time. And finally, please pray for Kareem. We would really cover your prayers. October 20th, she's going to be having some major back surgery. We'll be in the hospital for five to seven days, and we'll have about a two-month recovery period. So you may not see her around very much. Thank you. We love you guys mm. immensely, and we'll miss you sorely, mm. but we will be back visiting. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. Appreciate that. Uh, this is Mike. Uh, Mike and uh, Patty were not here the very first time Terry and I came to Westside, so the church was half empty uh, there. That was on December 21st, 1999. Remember Y2K? That was just a couple weeks before everybody freaking out before Y2K. Uh, but Mike had been leading uh, worship for 10 years prior to that, so now he's going on or eight years prior to that. Now he's going on over 25 years of leading worship here as a volunteer. That's, that's amazing to me. And uh, Mike and Patty have been good friends of ours. We've seen them grow and mature and blossom and uh, become the man and woman that God has called them to be. Uh, we love them. Uh, and so, Mike, why don't you share what you heard from the Lord? Uh, history. Right? 2003 in April, I set into the team and so for the last 13 and a half years, I've had the privilege of serving you folks, some of you, pretty much all that time, and some not so long. Um, and to see this church grow as a healthy body, it's just been great, and, and, and a privilege, really. Um, so through the last six to nine months, it's just been, it just seemed right that it was time to step aside. And Patty came to that conclusion about a couple months ago as well, so we're unity on that um, and we're not going anywhere um, we'll continue to stay here I'm going to continue to lead the musician and singer team and uh, we'll, 
we are committed to standing with the leadership here as well. We're not, you know, like Steve said, there's no disunity or anything amongst us. It's just it was time for us to to, to end our lap. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Betty. Uh, this is Joe, Joe Kemp, uh, and his wife Pam. Joe and Pam were the first married couple that got saved at Westside uh, after we came here. We were here about six months. I think they came in somewhere around uh, August or September when football season started. Joe said he would come once and he would never come back because he was not giving up football. And um, then he realized that God invented DVRs and so that we could <laughs> watch the game later. And... Uh, since that first Sunday that I met Joe, and uh, something about Westside captured his heart, and uh, he didn't realize it at that time, but it was Jesus, and shortly thereafter, he and Pam gave their, their hearts to Christ, and they grew. You know, here's how they grew. They grew by saying yes. Yeah. You know the song, Yes, Lord, Yes, Lord, Yes, Yes, Lord? Yeah. yeah. Success in the kingdom is not just saying yes to God 50 years ago, and then and then trusting that that'll be enough, but it's saying yes every day as God prompts us and gives us opportunities to grow. Uh, Joe and Pam, you want to host a, a small group in your house? Yeah, yeah, we do. And uh, they, we didn't know it, but they've made a commitment in their heart. If, if God asked them, open the door for them, they'd go through it. They wouldn't push any doors open, but they'd go through it. Uh, Joe and Pam, would you like to lead a home group? Yeah, we would. Joe and Pam, would you like to become deacons? Would you like? We, we feel uh, it's God's heart for you to be on eldership here at this church. Over the years, seeing them grow and mature. And uh, Joe, uh, other than you know, following up and commenting on my sermons every time that he leads the service at the end, uh, I'm, I'm always teasing him about that. Um, we just said that. And so, um, do you know why? Because everything he hears from the Word of God, he takes and he owns it. And he wants you to do that too. And so I never once ever, you know, I tease him about it, but I've never once regretted that. Because Joe is a true pastor and he cares for you. Pam uh, and Joe love, love Jesus. They love you guys. And uh, so, Joe, why don't you share? I'm going to read as well. Can I step up here? Sure. See? Um, See? These right there. These, All right. So these. Um, I'll sit down. Wednesday night, I was um, a mess. I, you know, you guys know that I cry, but uh, these words are—they're uh, bathed in prayer. <clears throat> so, um, and this is uh, coming from my wife as well as we. Uh, I'll just read. Uh, after fasting, uh, much prayer, uh, receiving biblical counsel and support from Steve and Terry. Uh, we feel in God uh, that it is time to move from our season of serving on the eldership team at Westside and move into the next season uh, God has for us uh, at Westside. Uh, we have been on eldership for 10 years and served on the uh, diaconate before that as well. I don't know. I forget how many years that was. Uh, we have grown. We have been stretched. We have been loved. And it's been awesome. And this is a healthy body. Um, of course, we don't know exactly all of what God has for us uh, next. However, excited we are excited to see his uh, plans unfold uh, for us. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, more family time, uh, loving on each other, uh, my wife and I, and continuing 
to spiritually nurture and guide Olivia as she readies herself for college. And I appreciate your prayers there, um, that she lands where God would have her land in college. For Westside, <clears throat> as for Westside, we love this church. How else do you say that? And we'll continue <clears throat> to minister, and be, uh, be present, we'll be here. Serve, grow, uh, love God's people uh, for as long as the Lord keeps us here. Love you guys. Thanks, Joey. Um, I'd like to speak to you as your pastor again, um, strongly. Uh, please take this at face value, and please don't speculate. And please don't go up to any of these guys and say, tell us the real reason. They just told you the real reason. Uh, because they love Jesus first and foremost. And they love you guys. Um, and, and please let me share with the next service. There's no reason for you to tell them on the way out. I, I, I don't know how to say it other than that. There's really no reason for you to tell anybody. I really want to be able to be the one to tell the church. So they can hear my heart and hear it from straight from the horse's mouth, and uh, so to speak. Uh, so please, please give it a bit, and then pray for them. Commit to pray for these guys. Commit to pray for the leadership team, the elders and deacons, uh, and the small group leaders that that really uh, love and care for the sheep in this church. Uh, we still have five elders uh, here that are uh, leading the church and governing the church. And uh, God is still raising people up and maturing people, and uh, gonna, He's going to release them into uh, serving His kingdom in the world or serving them in the church. We don't know, uh, but uh, we're going to continue on doing what we have been doing, and uh, so it's going to be a, a great time. We have to be in unity as a church. We fight for unity. Unity doesn't just happen. If you've ever coached a team before, you know unity doesn't happen. A team doesn't just happen. You make them into a team. You go through trials together. You go through victories together. Uh, you're on the same page. You're doing these same things. And we are, are doing this uh, thing, not for our glory, but for the glory of Jesus, uh, for his name's uh, sake. And so, Father, I pray for these uh, three couples, the Thompsons and the Vanderdusens and the Kemp's, Lord, I pray that you would surround them, surround them, God, with your glory, surround them with your grace. Uh, we pray for Randy and Corrine that will love you and still love the sheep and serve Jesus until they actually do move. And we thank you for Mike and Patty. Thank you that Mike will still be leading worship. And we thank you that we'll still see Patty and Joe and Pam loving and praying and encouraging uh, people and, and using their gifts to serve the body, uh, just not carrying the weight of eldership. Uh, thank you, Father, for this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, um, as you notice, I'm not going to start preaching now on Romans. Uh, you're going like this. If you want to hear the whole preach, we're going to post Thursday night. I preached it Thursday night. Um, and we did choose to announce it on Sunday first. So this service and then next service. And Thursday night, they're not going to hear it all the way till Thursday. So that's what I'm saying. Please don't go talking it up around. I really would prefer that people hear it from me uh, first. And um, so 
We're going to post uh, Thursday night for the Roman series. And uh, here's what I want you to remember. Here's the three points is that uh, Paul's talking about in, in the passage in Romans. He talks about obeying and he talks about uh, just listening. Some people just listen to God's word and some people obey God's word. Francis Chan has a great illustration. Uh, he's talking to his daughter, teenage daughter, and he says, "Go clean, honey, go clean your room. And so she goes away for a couple hours and comes back, and then he says, uh, did you clean your room? She goes, no, but I memorized it. <laughs> you said, go clean your room, like this. And she goes, I even learned it in Greek. And then she said, I was thinking about getting my friends together so that we could have a little study and talk about how to clean your room. And he goes, but did you clean your room? All right? That's the point that Paul is making here between just listening and uh, obeying what God has uh, called us to do. So that transitioned us over to James where he gives us a very clear and practical picture of faith without works is dead. So point number one in our, in our sermon on Thursday night that would have been this morning is faith without works of, is dead. So if you say you have faith and there's no works, actually that faith is dead because your works show that you have that faith. Your works don't save you. Your faith saves you. That's the first obedience that we do. We talked about that last week, that you obey Christ and then you serve him. Point number two, seriously, faith without works is dead. <laughs> Point number three, no really, faith without <laughs> works is dead. So that's the point. Is, is if we have truly encountered Jesus, then he's captured our hearts. He's captured our hearts. And we do these things because he loves us, not so he'll love us. That's the gist of the message. And some of you are going to say, I know. Why don't you preach just five minutes every week? And then we get, <laughs> we'll get the point. Faith without works is dead. Really, faith without works is dead. No, seriously, faith without works is dead. Amen? Amen. All right.